This is the On The Touchline podcast. I'm your host, Jason Broadwater. Welcome to the show. In episode 12 of the On The Touchline podcast, I talked to my coaching colleague, Dustin Wise. Dustin was just named to the head coaching position at Scotland Campus Sports in Scotland, PA, which is near Chambersburg. About a year or so ago, Dustin and I connected via social media, much like I have with many of the coaches and guests that have come on this show thus far. We've exchanged numerous messages, text messages, direct messages uh, since that time. We also came to realize that we don't live that far apart from one another. And although he may be a diehard Philadelphia fan in most sports, and I'm a diehard Pittsburgh fan in most sports, we have a lot in common as coaches. Over the holidays, he and I came to the conclusion that we should meet up for coffee one morning. So uh, we picked a coffee shop about halfway between Pittsburgh and between Chambersburg, and we found a place to meet in a little town called Bedford, Pennsylvania for coffee. This is that conversation. In this conversation, a little longer than most episodes, but we do cover a lot of ground. And we talk about his time in Germany when he served our country as part of the military. We talk about the access he had to the game when he was in Germany and how easy it was to actually play soccer. We also talk about what it was like to inherit a program in his previous position that was a rebuilding job and how he got players and parents to buy into a different type of culture, uh, a winning culture. And finally, he and I talk about what it was like to take on a new position, but with the understanding that Scotland Campus Sports has never had a soccer program before. So he's building it from scratch, or as the saying goes, he's building the plane while he's flying it. I hope you enjoy my conversation in episode 12 of On the Touchline with Dustin Wise. Thank you so much for coming on the latest episode of the, uh, the On the Touchline podcast. Uh, this is the, <clears throat> the first time I've actually done a live interview uh, with one of our guests. Uh, they've all been done by phone or... Uh, some sort of electronic device. So if you hear some weird background noises, we're actually at a coffee shop uh, in, in Bedford, Pennsylvania right now. So um, my guest today is uh, someone who, uh, like many of the coaches that I've gotten to know, uh, actually connected through social media. And uh, Dustin Wise uh, is a soccer coach here in PA and um, introduce you to him here in a, a you know, in a sec, um, hear a little bit about his story. So so Dustin, if uh, you want to tell the audience uh, a little bit about who you are and your background uh, as a coach, and we'll kind of take it from there. Sure thing. So currently I'm the head soccer coach at Scotland Campus Sports. Uh, we're starting up the program for fall of 2019 will be the first year. I'm also the director of recreational programs for Liverpool Academy in Western Maryland, um, as well as their marketing guy, so to speak. <laughs> um, most recently, my last podcast I did was with Soccer Chat. Yeah. At that point, I was going and getting ready for my first year at Heritage Academy. 
the mindset was I'm going to be there X amount of years, we're going to win some championships, you know, oh, yeah. great, great story. Well, as luck would have it, or as fate would have it, I guess, you know, after the first season, I'm interviewing with a few colleges. I coached college back 2009, I think it was. Mm-hmm. So I've always kind of been drawn back into that. Um, but then interviewed with a few colleges, health concerns with family. I was like, you know, I'll, I'll stay put. Reach out to Scotland's athletic director, who were friends on Facebook, had no idea about it. Um, reach out to him, ask him, what's the plans? Soccer. You know, are you going to start a program? Do you have any interest in starting a program? And he was like, yeah, we're actually interviewing now. So we go out. We do the whole interview thing. This lasts about a month. We go through, and next thing I know, I'm being offered the job. So that's where we're at now. Now the fun gets to begin of me trying to go out and recruit kids. So we're like a high school prep postgraduate. I don't know how you want to label it, but we're that. So looking forward to it. Um, But before that, you know, I spent six years in the military. I was in the Air Force, spent three years in Germany, three years in California. I've coached as an assistant at the high school level, coached as an assistant at the college level, um, currently coaching U11s for Liverpool's uh, academy. So just a little bit of everything along the way. What's been great with Liverpool is I'm not a kid person at all. I'm not afraid to admit that I'm not a kid person. So when I went in with them, my whole mindset was, you're going to give me high school kids because that's more my comfort level. We'll make something happen. I'll be here a long time. It's going to be great. We're going to get along just fine. First day on the job, they put me with these nine-year-olds, and I'm like, okay, I don't know how to talk to you (laughs) at all. It was absolutely awful. So thankfully, they put me with other guys that I could learn from for the first year. Coached high school soccer here this fall, so obviously I wasn't with the club during that time. We started our winter program um, beginning of December, and they put me with the U11s. And I go in, and the first the first couple of sessions, I'm just like, uh, yeah, I'm not I'm not so sure. <laughs> not, you sure you don't have any openings for like I'll be an assistant for an older age group. That's fine. I'm not I'm not too comfortable with. 11-year-olds, well, you know, that wasn't too difficult. After a first couple, first couple sessions, then it's like, okay, I get it. I just got to be goofy, and you guys will follow along with whatever I'm doing. So mm-hmm. it's been it's been pretty nice since since that. But it did it took it took some getting used to. Got me out of my comfort zone a lot, but sure. that's always a good thing as a coach. So you want to be pushed outside of it. Yeah. So well, it, um, it's funny that. Uh, coaches ask me all the time, you know, working with U10s, um, so there, there isn't, for, for anybody that doesn't know this, there isn't a huge difference between a U10 or a U11 player, and the, you know, goes without saying, but um, the, you know, like you said, the, the psychological aspect of it, um, you know, yeah, there are kids that are there to learn soccer and, you know, sort of the tactics and technical abilities or whatever, I actually think it's more about how you can connect with them as a person oh, and, yeah, you know, sort of creating that bond. Um, and that, and that seems to be a theme that comes up on this show, you know, quite a bit. So, um, I, I like what you said about, um, 
you know, even though you may have been out of your comfort zone of getting to a place where uh, <clears throat> it, you know, it, it pushed you to, to be a little goofy or a, have a little fun with it or, or whatever. So, one thing I like to do with them, and now they actually ask for it more than I actually come out with it, but we'll go if we're going to do like a scrimmage dead practice or whatever. Mm -hmm. You get the ball based off of your soccer knowledge. Mm -hmm. So I'll pull out a random question, you know, like, who won XYZ game? Okay, what was the score? And most of the time these kids know it, yeah. which is shocking to me. Yeah. But there will be times they're just sitting there like, I don't know. And then they ask me a question back, and then it's like, okay, <laughs> I like that just as much as me asking you a question, you know? Oh, yeah, so yeah. It's, been, it's been pretty nice because now – now they want to ask they want to be asked questions for literally everything yeah. like first training session of the day yep. well can we can we ask a question first I'm like why like, <laughs> what are you going to get out of asking a question now but okay what kind of question do you want and then they'll ask something it's like okay what was the score in this game yeah oh well, da, da, da. yeah you're right you can have ball first I guess go for it you know well, I, I was going to say you probably ask him the Tottenham score because I know you're a, a big well, Tottenham supporter so I see I have to play nice with Liverpool so <laughs> I try not to but it was funny because so you had Colton on a couple episodes yeah. ago yeah and he posted the other day yeah and he was like wow four goals four different players and I I replied to him like Wow, I didn't know you were watching the Tottenham game. <laughs> you know, just to kind of mess with them a little bit. Like, yeah, that's, it's that's good. We've been on fire. Yeah. So it's nice well, to watch. And uh, for, for full disclosure, uh, as I talked with someone uh, with Alberto uh, Gonzalez recently, um, I, I, I'm still in mourning from the uh, the butt whooping that uh, Tottenham gave Everton last Sunday. So, uh, yeah, I don't you know. You guys started off well, though. Yeah, that, that's, I mean, it is like the most Everton thing, you know. Uh, that's that's what it always happens, you know. Have a nice goal to start, and you go, maybe this is the time yeah. that we beat Spurs. And, uh, well, and Sun's been on fire. Yeah. And now it sucks that he's leaving us to go to the Asian Cup. But Sure. And I keep, I keep my one friend, we played high school ball together, and he was an international student from South Korea. Yeah. And he always messaged me every time Sun scores, he's like, you see that? You see that? I'm like, yeah, I saw it. And, you know, he brought it up to me that, yeah, we's leaving now for the Asian Cup. It's like, y'all need to just leave them play for us. Right. Like, you keep your hands off. We already won in the summer. He's military exempt now. We don't have to worry about it. Just yeah. let them stay with us. <laughs> you don't need them. Like, I don't care about the Asian Cup. Come yeah. on. But it has, it's, it's been it's been fun to watch. And yeah. Liverpool's undefeated, so that's fun to watch, too. Sure. When it's not against Spurs. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, it's so funny. People laugh at me because I tell them all the time that, um, you know, being a, an Everton supporter, but the admiration and love that I have for Jurgen Klopp as a manager and what he's been able to do at Liverpool and, you know, before that at uh, Borussia Dortmund, um, I mean, he's, he's one of the best, you know, in the game. And, uh... But in the same breath, I would say the same about Pochettino at, uh, at Spurs. I mean, I have a whole lot of respect and admiration for him, too. And it, it's funny. I always have this sort of love-hate relationship going on with whoever the Everton manager is at the time. And, um, yeah, I just, I don't know. We just never seem to be able to get it right. So, I don't know. To, to brighter futures, I guess. It'll come, maybe. Yeah. Hopefully not. But it might. Yeah, yeah. Well, so you said something earlier that I, I really liked and actually kind of reminded me of my own son. 
And I say that because uh, one of the, the Christmas presents in our house was um, the, the Google Mini. So, you know, you can ask Google all these questions and, and whatever. And it fascinates me that he asked Google on almost a daily basis soccer questions, right? How old is Cristiano Ronaldo? Um, you know, what was the first club that uh, Messi played for? Uh, and it, it makes me laugh because he's gaining soccer knowledge because of that. And I guess a parallel experience, I would say, from, from my own coaching. So recently, um, we were at a, a indoor a, a futsal session. And I, I was trying to make a coaching point or whatever <clears throat> about how to defend. And I, I asked the boys, you know, how many of you watched the World Cup this, this past summer? About half the group, about half their hands went up. And I was saying, if you ever watch Belgium in terms of how they defend, you know, their body position, their body shape, whatever, it's different than a lot of other teams. And they sort of looked at me as if I was speaking, <laughs> if I was speaking another language or something, because they're like, coach, what do you mean by that? So it, it didn't quite connect, you know, the, the way that I thought it would or whatever, but I find it incredibly interesting that the, I guess I would call it the trickle-down effect of sort of soccer becoming more and more, I wouldn't call it mainstream, but more and more popular, you know, within our country, that kids are now starting to, those questions that you ask, they can then get the answer pretty quickly and pretty easily, I guess is what I'm trying to say, so. I might have to get a Google Mini to help me out with some of the questions they asked me back. Some of them, I'm just like, yeah. I don't even know what made you come up with that. Yeah. And I can't think of any right now, but there was one. And my Liverpool history is not as good as it should be for coaching for them. But I have kids who will ask me Liverpool-related questions, and I'm just like, I don't know. What's the answer? I don't know. That's why I asked you. Like, what kind of trivia is that? Like, that doesn't help anybody. Well, I, I was going to say if uh, if Colton or uh, or Nick Rizzo has listened to this, they um, maybe we can put them on speed dial or something. <laughs> they seem to be a walking encyclopedia no of, of liter- no Liverpool kidding. knowledge. So um, I, I've told you before, but seriously, thank you for your service to our country um, and uh, your your military service. I'm very, very curious as to having been in California, having been in Germany, uh, what that has been like in terms of shaping sort of who you are as a soccer coach. Um, two very different cultures, two very, uh, you know, different identities, but how has that influenced you in terms of, um, you know, who you become as a coach? Well, the biggest thing between both is the kids just want to play people were always playing even in Sacramento area where I was living like there's enough Hispanic influence where everyone just wants to play Mm -hmm. and that's been the biggest thing so with Liverpool as I mentioned I'm the director of recreational (coughs) programs so that's a fancy way of saying I help the kids who aren't good enough to make our academy teams Mm because you got to try out for everything sure but me and our director of coaching um we sat down one day, and he was like, what do we have to do to get kids from these other clubs to come play for us? Even if they're not good enough to be on the academy team, because like I said, you are trying out for all these positions. You have to be pretty dedicated to be on our traveling teams. Um, how do we get other kids to be interested? So we're going to start basically like an in-house rec program where hmm. you're still going to have our top coaches influence on it 
but it'll be back to where it's a mom, a dad, whoever running the team will mm-hmm. just help guide them along the way, mm-hmm. which goes along with what I told you earlier, where I want to just help everybody. Like, if I can help you yeah. become a better coach, you can help me become a better coach, mm-hmm. and it just works out great that way. So that's kind of where everything kind of ties in from overseas California to where I'm at now, where it's all, we're just trying to get everybody just playing. The hardest part of that is you go to an open field somewhere in the States and you get kicked off the open field because it's closed for whatever, Mm -hmm. you know, and how do we change that here? In Germany, there's futsal courts literally everywhere. Every single park has some kind of court. And when I played in Germany, um, it all started because I literally drove by this stadium on my way to check out this apartment I was thinking of living in, get there, ask the uh, tenant, so who's, uh, whose stadium is that? Like, who plays there? He was like, oh, my team plays there. What do you mean, your team? Yeah, I run the team, blah, blah, blah. He was like, one of the board of directors for this team. He was like, come to practice. We go to practice, and my first practice there, it was literally just, we played. Like, we didn't really do drills or anything like that. Like, we literally just, you start off, everyone gets a ball, you're dribbling back and forth, taking shots from, like, 30 yards out on the goalie just to get him loose, and then mm-hmm. we go straight into, like, 4v3s, 5v3s, 6v3s, 6v4, 6v5, 6v6, and finish with, like, a 7v7 on a smaller-scale field. And I leave there, and I was like, that was probably one of the best practices I've ever been to. And we didn't even do anything. Mm-hmm. Like, we just literally went out and played. And it was just – so I I like to implement that with, like, my high school team this past fall. There was not a single practice where we didn't at least do some sort of scrimmaging in it just to get people moving. Mm-hmm. The best way to learn how to play is to play. Mm-hmm. So – just having that, and it had been working pretty well there. And California, I didn't really do much coaching out there. It was more so just I wasn't a coach. I wasn't a player. I was just literally a fan. Mm-hmm. And I would go, got season tickets to the Sacramento Republic. Mm. Um, and it's funny because I get season tickets to Sacramento Republic. They go on and play Harrisburg City Islanders in the championship. They beat them. And I'm like, dude, this is awesome. Like, um, I live 45 minutes away from Harrisburg in my real life or whatever, however mm-hmm. you want to look at it. And now my new team just beat them in their first year as a club. Fast forward to 2017, I leave the military, moved back to Pennsylvania, and I started working for the Harrisburg City Islanders. Mm. I helped them do their whole little rebrand thing to Penn FC, and then when they did that, they kind of were like, okay, thanks, we're getting rid of everybody mm-hmm. and just kind of cleaned house and started over as a new club and so that was a little bittersweet but it was still a great experience so that's been the positive through everything is just getting to see different aspects of everything so in germany the biggest thing was like i said just everyone wanting to play everyone has a complete love of the sport and like you mentioned earlier the World Cup over there. Mm-hmm. It's just ridiculous how much the people... You go downtown, everyone's standing outside, watching it on big screens, like, with their friends, their neighbors, whoever. Mm-hmm. You go down to the walk plots, which is, like, their big outdoor mall. 
you go out there and there's screens at every single restaurant, every single bar, whatever, and people are just sitting here. They have people walking around. It was basically like a miniature beer fest. People are walking around with beers on trays and like, here you go, here you go. Good Germany, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, woo. And, you know, I'm just sitting there like, this is awesome. Mm -hmm. Why is there, why do we not, we don't get this hype about anything in the States. Like, you want to call baseball America's <clears throat> pastime, I don't see people getting together with their family and their friends and hanging out outdoors watching the World Series. You don't see it with anything. But overseas, Germany was like that. Czech Republic was like that, where everyone was just outside with their friends, their family, yeah. watching the game. And it's just, it's beautiful, you know? Yeah. But yeah, like you said, I don't, I don't know how to, how do you implement that? Well, so uh, a question that I had asked um, <clears throat> not too long ago on, I think it was on Twitter, um, and maybe on Instagram, that um, are we too structured in this country in terms of how we go about trying to develop players, right? And I say that because both knowing you and I work in a system where, you know, it, it's pay to play, right? Um, and that's, <clears throat> that's no knock on that system. Uh, I'm incredibly grateful, uh, you know, for the club that I work for and the players that I work with and the coaches and just the opportunity I've been given to do that. But I also wonder, you know, there, there's a, a segment of the population that we are missing, um, even to the best efforts of scholarshiping players or helping financially support players that may not be able to afford it, um, you know, to give them that opportunity. It goes back to what you said of... <clears throat> And, and I've done this at, at the local high school, you know, where I live, I almost feel like I'm, um, you know, having to sneak in under like cover of darkness to go on the high school field, um, which is a sort of a multi-purpose field, uh, you know, it can be used for soccer, it can be used for field hockey, uh, you know, football, whatever. Um, but anytime I'm there, I feel like I'm, you know, like I can only be there for a certain period of time. I got to get in, I got to get out, and I can't let anybody see me because if they do, like it's somehow going to get back to the people at the, the high school that, oh my God, there's people coming on our field and, you know, using our facility or whatever. And okay, so uh, there's part of me that understands there might be some risk management issues there. Totally get that. However, uh, it is with nothing but good intentions <laughs> that myself and my son, we just want to go play. We're just looking for a place because... You know, if you say go play in the backyard, well, okay, um, some days when we get a little bit of rain, like the last few days, um, our backyard gets a little swampy. And I would rather go play at the local high school that is a turf field that, you know, I can play any time of the year if I want to. And so, you know, I guess back to my question of are we too structured and we just don't have this sort of access? You know, there's basketball courts around, there's baseball courts around, there's, you know, anything else around. But to find a soccer field that's open and you don't have to go through 47 different people to reserve it, you know, I think it can be a, a bit of a challenge and actually deters people from wanting to play. Oh, I agree completely. And we have, we have a pretty nice grass field in the town where I live. And I, I reached out, contacted the people who I was told run it and all. And, you know, my, my question was, am I allowed to use this field? And if not how do I get access to use this field? I just wanted to coach one-on-one, two-on-one, whatever, mm -hmm. give some kids, give some local kids some more knowledge. They're like, yeah, that's fine. You can use it, do whatever. So I use it. 
Well, halfway through the summer, the town's high school started playing on the field. They would only take, like, a section of the field, but they would play, and that's fine. You know, you're not in my way, I'm not in your way, whatever. Then at the end of the, at the end of the uh, summer, I get a phone call from the one guy, um, one of the parents of one of the high school kids, and his whole thing was, you weren't allowed to use the field. We were using it, blah, blah, blah. Okay, I checked with your guys before we ever even started. And you're on one side, I'm on the other side. It's not like we were doing full field stuff. I literally was taking maybe, you know, 40 yards in total away from you. You know, like, mm-hmm. I didn't have that much space. Right. And uh, they're like, well, who did you go through to get, to get uh, permission? So I gave them a list of names and was like, okay, because people said that there's someone using the field for whatever, whatever. And I'm like, I don't know, man. You're the ones bringing like 20 kids out at once. So I have the most I think I had like eight kids. So it's not me. Like, I'm not sure what your thing is. But at the same time, why does it matter? If we have 30 kids out there who want to just play, why don't we let 30 kids just play? Why else did you put the field there? Yeah. You know, it's used by the AYSO team for portions of the spring and the fall. Mm-hmm. But then we have like an AYSO field on the other side of the street where there's like six or seven smaller fields that are AYSO fields. Mm-hmm. They never mow that, so I never bothered to go over. But the bigger field, if no one's using it, what's it matter if you're using it? Mm-hmm. And why would you put it there if you don't want people to use it? Mm-hmm. And so my new job is right across the street from a township's park. And they put in a pretty nice soccer field. Pulled in there the other day because the school had said about, well, maybe we could use this field as like to practice on or whatever, have games on if we needed. Um, Cause I had mentioned about, I want to have like a preseason tournament. Um, and we have a field and then a decent size pitch beside it that I'm going to use as like my practice field so we don't mess up because everything's grass. Um, but I went over there the other day, and they have it all, like, roped off and signs up to say, no, you're not allowed. They stored the goals back away, so it's like, well, okay, whatever. Don't need the goals anyway. I could set up cones if I really wanted to, but mm-hmm. why are you so picky about me using the field or not? If it's a nice day, like today, it's pretty nice. Yeah, it's chilly, yeah. but there's no reason you can't go out today and just kick the ball around and yeah. have a good time. And like you said... There's basketball courts around, so many baseball fields, mm-hmm. but you want to go and play soccer in the U.S., and it's almost like you're not allowed to. You're not allowed to run around on the field, but you can run around on this track on the outside of the field if you want. Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> it just doesn't make any sense to me. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if that answers your question or not, but, yeah, I do I do agree that we're a little too, too structured in that we have to play by the rules, and us playing by the rules isn't going to get us to where we want to be in total, you know, so, Mm -hmm. yeah, we're just, we're kind of stuck where damned if you do, damned if you don't kind of thing. It it feels that way, uh, for sure, and um, yeah, I I don't know, you know, uh, and that's part of this, uh, I think, journey that I've kind of ventured on of... um, you know, it, the more and more coaches that I talk to and people in the game that I talk to, it, it seems like everybody keeps coming back to similar themes. And this is definitely one of the themes that um, people come back to. And, um, 
you know, I, I'm, I don't know. I would love to see in five years, 10 years, you know, sort of where, where all this goes. Um, so switch gears uh, a little bit. So uh, and we, had, we had mentioned Colton uh, a little earlier. And I, I find it incredibly fascinating when uh, all of us as coaches take on a new challenge. And, you know, for him starting a program, uh, you know, in his area in Tennessee. Uh, so what has that been like for you? And I guess my question would be, where the hell do you start? <laughs> uh, you know, you get this job, right? And it's like, okay, now what? <laughs> I'm still kind of at the, and now what stage of things? Because, so it's funny because I actually reached out to Colton when I was, like I said, towards the end of my high school season, I had a few colleges who were like, hey, we'd be interested in meeting with you about an assistant role. And I was like, okay, yeah, maybe, but I don't know. I don't know if I want to leave a head coaching position for an assistant position at this point. Mm -hmm. At some point, yeah, I'll be more than willing to, but right now, you know, just starting to get back into the whole thing, I kind of want to keep the head coaching role, see what I can build, and then we'll venture out. Um, but I... I messaged Colton on Facebook and I was just like, hey, you think you could send me your resume for starting a program just so I can get an idea of what you have listed because I knew he didn't have any like previous scholastic coaching. So like, just send me what you have so I can get an idea. And his resume was just all basically skill-based instead of what I've done job-wise. Sure. So I was like, okay, that's a great idea. I listed that, sent it out to a few schools, that's what I had sent to Scotland whenever they got back to me and then eventually offered me the job. But, you know, I sent it out to all these people. And then it was like, now all of a sudden people are more inclined to be like, hey, what's up? I want to talk to you now about, well, you say you can do this or you say you can do that. Can you elaborate on that a little bit more? But yeah, sure. You know, but just trying to knock that door down was kind of a big hurdle for me. So then, of course, I messaged him as soon as it happens. And I'm like, hey your resume idea just landed me this job so now I got to start this boarding school program and he's like yeah it's gonna be a lot tougher than doing a college program like you know that right like it's not as easy to get kids to spend fifteen thousand dollars to go play high school soccer sure especially not with how poor high school soccer is around here you know what I mean so and he's right I mean so how do you pitch that to people well First and foremost, my whole mindset was I have to find people who kind of have the same mindset, same vision that what I have, going into it and put them on my staff. We'll start there. And then once I get everybody in place, then we'll start finding the kids. Mm -hmm. The kids will come, fingers crossed, the kids will come once everything gets in place and they see what we're trying to do. but there at the beginning, it has been. It's been me reaching out to a few kids who I coached them back when they played high school soccer or whatever, and then they went on to play college, and it's like, hey, you have any interest in coaching? Come out, be my goalkeeper coach. So I have a guy lined up to do that. The one guy who's helping, he's like an intern for our basketball program at the school. He played Division three college up in New York. I asked him if he'd be interested in helping out because he already has knowledge mm-hmm. of how the school operates so that helps me out as I transition in yeah. and then like I mentioned earlier with you uh, one of his friends then uh, 
contacted me yesterday and was like, hey, I'm interested in interning. You know, he had mentioned all this to me and can you give me some more information? So I called him up and just my whole lead-in question was, what is your playing experience like? Because I'm just interested in knowing where people are at. So far, everyone that's been on the staff has either played overseas, played in college, has coached in college, has whatever, you know, so it's been mm-hmm. a nice mixture of things. So I'm just interested to see what we keep bringing in. Even I've never played before. You know, I've had, i played like adult rec league here these last two years or whatever, but, and I told him, I was like, Man, dude, I don't care if you've played or not. You playing doesn't really change if you're a good coach or not. And I know there's people who disagree with that. People think, oh, well, you're a great player. You're automatically going to be a great coach. You see that fail so many times in every professional sport around, though, where dude retires. Now he's instantly a coach for his team and mm-hmm. doesn't get anywhere. You're just recycling through everything. So I asked, I was like, well, what's your interest? Like, what is your goal through all of this? And he said, I just want to learn as much as I can. And I was like, okay, Bingo, you're in. Like, because if you want to soak in everything, Mm -hmm. I'm willing to give you everything that I know. And through that, you're going to teach me things because I have to now learn how to teach you how to coach, which is going to make me a better coach. And that's where everything just kind of falls in line there. Next step, obviously, get players. So I've reached out to a few kids. Um, just kind of gauge interest around there, pitch them some things and tell them what they want to hear. So I think, um, but that's been the challenging part. Not so much. I mean, I've been on the job two weeks now and I've had a good amount of kids who are already like, if I want to come visit and I'm like, okay, great. You know, we'll figure out a date and we'll have you come out and we'll make it work. But year one, a lot of the kids I'm targeting are more international kids mm-hmm. more so just because a i think they can afford it more than what i don't think someone in the states is going to be too overly eager to throw a couple thousand dollars to move states to play soccer mm-hmm. not so sure that's a great idea um but i think once we get the program up and running once we have the pieces in line then i think it'll be easier to sell it to the U.S. kids mm-hmm. and be like, well, look, this is what we're doing and this is what you're going to get out of it. We have a great staff. Like I mentioned, you know, we have our strength and conditioning coach worked for Nick Saban at Alabama. Then he went on to work at Penn State. Then he went on to work at Shippensburg University. And now he's running our strength and conditioning program at the school. Our baseball coach was a minor league pitcher for the Mets. Our basketball coach has sent like 18 kids to the NBA. So I've just been kind of relying on all of them. Mm-hmm. Granted, they're not soccer guys. Most of them don't know anything about soccer, period. But just relying on them and being like, what do you look for when you're recruiting kids? What do you look for in like how the parents respond? How do you pitch to them the money factor mm-hmm. of everything? So I've gotten good, good answers from them. I've gotten a lot of connects throughout, like in different countries already who've been able to reach out to them and... Um, I know the Penn State Monaldo, so one of Penn State's satellite campuses, whatever mm-hmm. you want to call it. Um, I know their head coach from 
when I coached high school as an assistant, he was the head coach of our rival school. So I know him through that. So I've been talking to him. We're actually going to play them. Oh, wow. Um, as like a preseason scrimmage game. So trying to use that as like a sales pitch to these kids too. Like we're going to have exhibitions against Division three colleges. Like mm-hmm. you're going to, right off the bat, you're going to find out if you're ready for college or not. Mm-hmm. And I mean, most of the kids I'm recruiting are like juniors, what well, will be juniors in high school. Because my mindset is if you bring them in, then they're there for two years, three if they decide to stay for a post-grad year, but you have them for those two years and then you don't have to worry about 30-kid turnover every single season. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's just little things like that. Um, the facilities, I'm getting one of the, like the visiting basketball locker room is going to wind up. We're changing all of that over here once basketball season ends. That's going to be soccer only mm. locker room. Um, we have a old, which I mentioned this to you, but not on here. Um, the school used to be, the campus used to be a school for veterans' children. It had lasted like over 100 some years. Then the state shut it down in 2009 and was just like, yeah, there's no reason to have this. Funding's not there, blah, blah, blah. A couple years ago then, Dr. Noel, our president, came in, took over the campus, and we've slowly been seeing that change. Um, And their whole five-year plan, 10-year plan is just phenomenal. Mm -hmm. We just have to continue to grow. And like I mentioned, you know, our basketball team is ranked number three in the country, and it's three years old. Our baseball program, our golf program, they just started in 2018. We're starting wrestling and soccer in 2019, possibly starting tennis in 2019. So at the rate we're growing, it's going to be those five-year, ten-year plans are very achievable. So I think using that, too, as a sales pitch is a lot easier for me than what it might be if I were at a college that doesn't have anything. I can at least pitch to these kids, hey, like, well, this is what this team's doing, and this is what this team's doing. And you can tell that this is what our campus is doing because we're pushing for this, and we're trying to do this. And, you know, we already have blueprints sitting around to redo a lot of these buildings on campus that right now they just sit empty because they've sat empty for the last 10 years. So how do we get to that? Well, we need you to help us get there. And there's enough people around, at least in my mind, there's enough people around who want that they want to help build a program Mm -hmm. and well I I was going to say that um, before we started recording that uh, you and I were talking about sort of the the post-grad year and how beneficial that would have been to both of us uh, when we were younger versions of ourselves you know it's so funny I tell people I, I go to college and or I went to college and I mean, I only scratched the surface in terms of, uh, you know, what I was trying to do and, and kind of what I could get the most out of that experience. And, you know, to, to give someone the ability to play for a year uh, if they need to get their grades up or do what they need to do academically, but then use that as a springboard to, you know, to go elsewhere. So, um, you know, I'm curious kind of where you see that, you know, fitting in. exactly. Into- I mean, I don't think postgraduate, so I don't think that's going to be... I don't think it's ever going to get huge yeah, in, sure. the, in the States. I just don't see that as a realistic thing. But you can come play for us for that year. You can come take 
18 college credits. You know, we have Wilson College from Chambersburg. They come up to campus and mm-hmm. they'll give you, you know, your courses for gen eds and you'll get 18 credits that'll transfer 99.9% of colleges in the U.S., you know. Um, so you have that right off the bat. And you're paying the same for that first year that you would as a freshman in college. So look at it that way. Say you want to go to college, but you're not going to play, so you redshirt your freshman year. Well, what are you actually getting better at? You know, yeah, you're going to practice. Yeah, you're going to get there, but your grades aren't changing any. You know, you're still, you jump straight into the college courses. With us, you get to take, you get to retake, in a sense, some of those high school grades, get your GPA up as an overall. Now you can go, now you might qualify for a D2 school. Now you might qualify for a D1 school that you had the talent to play there, mm-hmm. you didn't have the grades to play there. Right. Now you can, you know, so that's going to kind of be a bit of a selling point there. Plus, with our staff, our strength guy, um, getting to play four college coaches, you're going to get that same experience mm-hmm. that you would at a college. Mm-hmm. But you leave us, you still have four years of eligibility. So you don't have to worry about going the JUCO route. No, no offense to JUCOs, but you go the JUCO route, you leave there, you only have three years, two years left that you can play. You come play for us for a year, you still have four years when you leave us. Mm-hmm. So, and yeah, it's perfect for guys who got injured their senior year or was a late bloomer or like me did not care about high school at all <laughs> now you come in you get to take all these classes get your grades back up looking good now we'll send you off and now you're ready yeah now you're actually prepared we have so many SAT prep courses and stuff like that where I wish I had access to that and I went to a private school sure. you know it wasn't to the level of expenses but I went to a private school growing up and you know it's like this school offers so much for being so new that my school never offered and still you're paying for the education like why is that not included we include it so it's more so we just want to help help you reach what you want to reach I'm not going to tell you that you can play for me five years from now you're playing in MLS I'm not going to pitch that to you Mm -hmm. Um, but I'm going to help you do whatever you can become a better person become a better man become a better soccer player you know and then the rest is kind of on you Um, how hard do you want to work but we'll get there we'll get there I love being in this age group because you do. You get to be the ones who help mold them to become the next future leader, Mm -hmm. you know. So whether that translates to them becoming a leader on their college program Mm -hmm. or at their job once they graduate, whatever, just having that kind of effect and hold on people, I I think that's where I would prefer to be. But it's funny. So friends of mine have asked me, so going from a head coach to an assistant coach Mm -hmm. in my situation, and what has that been like? And I've told them that, um, you know, it's so funny now, six months or so into this, maybe a little more, um, that I've become really, really comfortable with being a damn good number two guy, right? That um, 
yeah, there, there's a time or a thought process that I've had where being the number one was really important. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, I, I'm working with a person right now who has a better tactical knowledge than I do about the game. And I love to watch Andy run sessions because I've learned so much from him, you know, body shape, body position, um, you know, how to create space, mm-hmm. you know, all these different things. And just little nuances of the game that I wasn't seeing before. Whereas, you know, it, so, uh, I was listening to, um, uh, to 343 uh, on, on our, my ride over, and, uh, you know, John was talking to Tiffany Weimer about, you know, she said something to the effect of being, you know, the possibility of maybe being a technical coach someday. And I totally could see myself doing that because that part of the game is like fascinating to me, mm-hmm. right? I mean, even to see my son of where he was a year ago to where he's at now, you know, still has a long way to go. But just mastering that ball right. and, you know, how you can make your your feet in the ball dance sort of in this crazy rhythm and, and whatever. Um, but, yeah, I mean, how it's... You know, sort of this journey of figuring it out, and you know, not to say that I would never want to be a head coach again. Right. I mean, maybe you know, but for now, for me, I'm I'm okay with where I'm at, and you know, I've thought about um, you know, I thought about high school, I've thought about college, I've thought about you know, I, I don't think I would ever want to work at the pro level. Um, I just I don't know. For me, I just don't know if my impact would be as great as I would want it to be. You know, I've thought about coaching education Mm -hmm. um, in terms of teaching other coaches of what do we want or what do we expect. Um, You know, I I mean, there's so many aspects, right? And I kind of do, like, these pros and I do the cons, and then you get into, like, well, if you're a, uh, you know, director of coaching, I mean, there's a lot of really great stuff about it, but man, sometimes you got to deal with a lot of bullshit, Mm -hmm. you know, and ah, like parents are chirping in your ear about this and every little detail, it's like, ah, I just don't know, you know, but the impact that the the DOC that I work with right now has had on me, it's been phenomenal. I mean, in terms of just saying like, you know, and it's never a place of like, hey, I know more than you because I'm the DOC, you know, Mm -hmm. it's always a place of, Dude, you're just one of my peers, yeah. um, and I want to help you get better. You know, I've been fortunate to get in the position I'm in from his perspective. How can I help you get to your next step? Right. And, um, yeah. So I mean, uh, I'm not sure where I'm going. Where well, I'm going with all this? No, but. I'm I'm the same exact way though. Because like, so the DOC I work for with Liverpool, Alan, and I'm gonna butcher his last name, but it's like Lydia, Lydia. I don't know. L-Y-D-I-A-T-E, however you pronounce that. So if you're listening, Alan, I'm, I'm very sorry because I should know better. But <laughs> he's our DOC at Liverpool, but he's also the DOC for the entire state of Maryland. Oh, wow. And working with him, yeah. it's just, well, it's incredible. Like, if I'm going to be an assistant coach, he's the right guy to be the assistant for because just having him come over and help my U11s with different things and like the way he'll come up to me and he'll like go through all your steps as a coach like is it competitive isn't this is that and I'm like well yeah because of them doing this or them doing that and he's like okay what if you change from this to this and there's one little small change Mm -hmm. and it's just like seeing his vision on it and listening to how he delivers his message to the players is is phenomenal it was so great to learn from and yeah i'm not i'm never going to pretend to be the guy who knows everything because there's so much to learn in the game and uh so much more you can always pick up just from watching 
the way different people do it, and I love it because you do you learn so much more from these DOCs, and it's like, yeah, and it's great when they do when they, they treat you as their peer. You're not, they're not your boss. You're just yeah. working with them. They want you to get better. You want them to get better, etc. Absolutely. Well, and I think the. Um I don't know. It, it's incredibly self-aware for a coach like yourself when they sort of understand like the humility of it because you know, and and I think it's a very subtle or sort of underappreciated thing because a lot of coaches sort of. I, I had tweeted out something not too long ago that um, you know, as a coach, we don't have all the answers, right? In some cases, uh, you know, it goes back to how we started our conversation of when kids are firing questions mm-hmm. about you, and um, you know, like when my son asked me the other day of like, how many goals did Pele score in his career? Dude, I have no clue. <laughs> a, a, a lot, <laughs> um, but you know, there's sort of this. Uh, I guess I would call it a misconception that, you know, just because we're the person leading a session, that although we're leading doesn't mean that we have every answer to every scenario, you know, whatever. And when you tell people that you don't know, like, that doesn't diminish your credibility. I actually think it increases your credibility to show that, like, I'm here for the right reasons. You know what I mean? I'm not here to be sort of this, like, authoritarian you know, king or queen, uh, it's more of like, I'm willing to work with you. Yeah. You know, instead of top down, yeah. it's more like peer to peer. So, well, one of my favorite things so far with Liverpool, we had a session the one night and I went up, and I had something planned out, had this mindset of what we were going to work on. We were going to work on building out the back, and that's what I came in with. This is what we were going to do, but when the kids were showing up, we didn't have too many kids that night. It's been cold. We train at, like, from, like, 6 p.m. to 7.30. It's a little too chilly for these kids, but, yeah. okay, so I have a couple kids show up, and I'm like, hey, this is on you guys. You do the warm-up, run whatever you want. I just want you to tell me what you're going to run, mm-hmm. and then afterwards I'm going to ask you why you did what you did, what the point of it was, what you got out of it, and we'll go there. And my one kid's like, okay, we're going to play Swedish Fish. And I'm like, I have no idea what that is. Okay, go for it. I like to eat those. <laughs> yeah, I was like, that's just a random little candy that, whatever, do your thing. So he goes out, and it's like basically playing the soccer equivalent of knockout in basketball. Yeah. I've never seen it done before. So they're going, and they're playing, and... Afterwards, I'm like, so what was the purpose of that? Well, you got to finish. You got to hit the side. You got to be quick. You got to retaliate. You got to counter. You got to this. You got to that. And I'm just like, and you got all of that from Swedish Fish. I didn't, but like, it's just impressive to me how much yeah. they're getting out of these little things. Because me, I'm just like, okay, cool. It's just a cool shooting game where you go back, you play defense, you make sure you block the shot, and you're still alive. Mm-hmm. And, uh, so then I go in and I'm like, okay, so what all, you know, what all traits did you have to do? Well, you had to be quick with your finishing and you have to be on point and you have to make your passing good. And it's like, okay, so this isn't anything that we're now going to build into building out of the back. So mm-hmm. like, okay, so I just like spur the moment. I'm like, okay, we're going to do this counterattack game where we're doing, you know, 1v1 if you score. So if the guy going to the left, if his team scores, then the guy on the left, he gets a new teammate, and now it's 2v1. And yep. then if the one guy scores, now it's 3v1, and you play until yeah. you know, until it's 4v4, and then whoever scores wins. 
So we start playing that, and there's just something completely on the fly. And they're like in love with it then, because then it was kind of more like they made the session. Mm -hmm. And I've had that a couple times now where I go into it and I'm like, oh, we really need to work on this tonight. And then they do one little thing. I'm just like, we'll work on this. This is better, you know, like this is what you guys already have the mindset, especially during the winter. They're not playing games or anything. So I don't care too much about hitting every single thing every single week. It's more so enjoy it. You came out here in 20 degree weather. Your parents are crazy, but <laughs> let's do it. You know, sure. we'll make it so you want to come back next week. And so it's been pretty enjoyable where let them run the session. You never know what you're going to get, but it's, it's entertaining. So what does a, uh, a, a training session look like? Um, and I guess, you know, that obviously that's a broad question. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess it, you know, would be sort of time specific, right? So if you're in preseason, if you're in, you know, the early part of the season, mid-season, end of season, um, you know, what's that look like for you? What are you trying to work on? Do you have a plan? Do you, I mean, how do you kind of go through your progressions? So preseason, we'll just touch on preseason and we'll do the high school level. So when you show up, we'll do like a dynamic workout type thing where you're getting all your stretches in, you're getting like some quick sprints and stuff like that. And then we'll do and go into like some... I call it organized passing, but in reality, it's unorganized passing because you just put everyone in a circle and, okay, you got to make X amount of passes and then go for it, you know. And I add a ball every couple of seconds, and next thing you know, like, there's 20 kids and there's 12 balls in play. So these kids have to find the open guy. And they're getting more conditioning out of that than anything Mm -hmm. but it's also making them get used to having the ball back at their feet so that's i like i like to start my sessions like that where you're doing stuff to get moving but you're also having to think about what you're doing like i mentioned earlier we're always going to have some kind of scrimmage in there at some point Mm -hmm. um and it all depends early in the season it might not be a very long one um, towards the end of the season, we were doing more so where it was like a 20-minute, like, hard uh, scrimmage where it might be like a seven-on-four, like just to work the back line out and get them to where they're moving and cooperating together. And I just do little things like that. It all depends on where we're struggling, in all honesty. Um, we had We had so many games where we weren't scoring. And so I would do like a 10 on 10, no goalies, just to let the kids see the ball go into the net. And it gave them so much more confidence than I thought. There were a couple games, and I don't know why I didn't do it more because every game we did it, it worked out in my favor. But we had a couple games where the pregame, I have a shooting drill that I have all the forwards and midfields run through. I have them shooting, no goalie in net. They're just seeing the ball go in. Mm -hmm. And I think in those three games that we did that, we scored three, three, and five in those games. And so that's what, 11 goals. I think we scored 40 all year. So why I didn't have them do that all season, I really don't know. But (laughs) it was just like, it's there's so much psychological stuff that, and it's just, you have to look at how the team's performing at the time. the, th- the reason I do a lot of scrimmages, though, is because I'll have the kids play, and there might be a kid who's doing a great job, but I'll take him off the team he's on and put him on another team, and 
Now he's on the B team in his mind, so now he's going to work even harder. But then you get to see, is he just playing well because of who he's with, or is he playing well because he's in form, or what is it? You put him on the other team, and I've had so many kids where I'll, I'll swap them to the B team, so to speak, and they put in so much more work because they're like, why well, can't be a backup next game? I have to start. And usually that's they have it. They know by the end of the practice, like whoever this team was, that's who's starting tomorrow, you know, but they'll work so much harder to get to it. Or I've had a few kids that you put them on the B team and they just shut down and they don't care at that point. Mm-hmm. So I was like, okay, well, if that's how you're going to be, then you're not going to play. Like, I'm not putting you over here as punishment. I'm putting you over here because I want to see mm-hmm. how you respond. It's all, I love playing mind games with players. You know, throw it out there, you're down 2 nothing. There's five minutes left. Make something happen. And I'll give them, like, a man advantage or whatever, but go make it happen. What can you do? And it's just seeing how they work because there's so many times where early in the season, we didn't have many players early in the season. Um because all my international kids didn't show up until we started our game schedule like two weeks before we started school. So our first game of the year, I had 12 kids. Second game of the year, I had 11 kids. Wow. Third game of the year, I had 13 kids. And then the kids start showing up. And then we finished the year. I called up some eighth graders too because I was like, I need to do something. Mm -hmm. At the end of the year, I think I had 20 kids. But early in the year, you know, you're going through all this, and it's like, what do you do when you don't have any subs? Mm -hmm. And the first team we played had 26 kids on their sideline, you know? So we got absolutely destroyed. But you use it, and it's like, so what do you do? Mm -hmm. So we go into training, and I had the middle school team would practice the same time we were. So I was like, do you mind if we scrimmage them? Just give these kids, A, some confidence, but also get them working in different positions. So I had them where, all right, you got to complete. 10 passes before you can go across midfield. Mm-hmm. Now you got to complete 10 passes in that before you can go into the next third. Mm-hmm. And you just have them doing all these little things, and they would. They'd pass around these middle schoolers like it's no problem. But then you tell them, okay, just play. You can do whatever now. Mm-hmm. And then they go, and they just want to go and just shoot. It's like that wasn't the point of it. The whole point was you're going to pass around, get open, and then take the shot. Right. As soon as you take that off, they're like, well, I'm faster than this middle school, I'm just going to run around. I'm like, that's what got us into the problem in our game, you <laughs> yep. know? So yep. you just got to, I don't know. I don't even know if I answered your question, but, yeah, it's all just about playing mind games with them to see how they respond to different different scenarios. I love uh, creating scenarios and training that are almost, I mean, in some cases, almost not even game realistic. Mm-hmm. And then I say that because, well, I take that back. Um, so if, if you're playing a small-sided game and, you know, I, I like to call like a, a phantom foul on somebody um, or have somebody sent off, you know, for a call. And if a team then has to drop down a player, it's 3v1, 2v1, whatever. And the reaction to the players, to me, is always fascinating, Right. Because I've had kids go, well, what do you, what's, you know, what are you doing? You know, why did that person get sent off or whatever? And I'm like, play on, and don't even acknowledge, uh, sort of the, you know, the, the psychology of it, mm-hmm. because I want to see how they respond. And, um, you know, in, in the particular situation I'm in now uh, with our futsal team, I mean, 
you know, we are playing, we're, we're definitely probably in over our heads um, in terms of playing competition that is better than us. And people have said, well, why are you doing that? My response to them has always been, I would rather throw kids in the deep end, see if they can swim, and if they can't, in, in the long run, they're going to be better off mm -hmm. because of it. It sucks in the short term. It does, right? No one likes to get blown, you know, getting blown out. I, I've been on the receiving end, the giving end of both of those. I'm sure you have. Um, you know, no one likes walking away from a match completely defeated. However, what I'm looking for is sort of that, um, you know, that internal voice that then comes out to say, like, okay, I've gotten knocked down. You know what? No, I got to get back up. I got to get back on the horse and I got to keep going because I don't really have a choice. Mm -hmm. And somewhere along the way in my athletic career, I learned that. Um, and, I, and I want my players to learn that. So and I think that's probably a, a good segue into my next question of what do you want your teams to look like? Or what do you want your players to look like? Um, you know, there's sort of that old cliche of like, you know, they're going to work hard and they're going to be sort of these scrappy, gritty, you know. We're going to be very possessive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we're going to play great defense <laughs> and we're going to hold the ball 80% of the game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. With 10 shots and the other team won't have a single shot. That's what I want. No. <laughs> I mean, in a perfect world, sure. In a perfect world, I want us to look like Barcelona. Sure, yeah. Okay. <laughs> end, of the, end of the answer. But in reality... Towards the beginning of the season, that's what I was trying to get them to play like. Mm -hmm. We just didn't have the players to do it, mm -hmm. and you have to you have to realize that sometimes. Where, look, you have to you have to adjust as a coach. You have to adjust as a team. You might want to play. I went into the season running a. I don't know what you would even want to call it, like a five-three-two. Maybe you could call it that. I tried to get my wing backs up, and we'd play that way, but we'd be possessive and mm -hmm. go with it, and it was going to be great. It wasn't great. It was absolutely horrible, and I don't know why I thought it would be a good idea. So by the end of the year, we're playing a 4-3-3, okay? We started – we went through probably 10 different formations throughout the year mm -hmm. in an 18-game season just because we do things – some of them I, I scrapped in practice, like, this was a good idea, this worked yesterday, it's not going to work. I'm, like, I'm stupid, like, you guys didn't do anything, I'm just stupid, okay? So, doing something new. But, towards the end of the season, I was focused more on the whole counterattack thing. We're going to sit back, because we got to a point where a lot of the other teams had that technical skill that we didn't have. Mm -hmm. They were quicker than what we were. So, I'm like, okay, well... How can we use that to our advantage? One team we played, all they ever wanted to do was press, press, press. Okay, that's fine. We'll go. We'll drop, you know, mm -hmm. nine guys back. Have a guy just hanging out up top, and mm -hmm. we'll hit it to an outlet guy, and now we're on the breakaway. Right. And by the end of the year, it was working. We weren't finishing mm -hmm. on these breaks. We had our playoff game, our semifinal game. We lost 3 nothing. Really, it would have been one nothing, but I pulled all my guys and tried to press at the end, and they weren't used to it, and we fell on our face and allowed two goals in, like, two minutes to lose. But um, we had a couple breakaways where we did that, where we just sat back and hit the outlet man, and now we have three guys attacking on two, and we're giving ourselves three-on-two situations all the time, going up the side, and we just – their goalie was good enough that we weren't hitting the post that we were wanting to hit, and – they were able to get enough of the ball that they pushed it away, but 
in a perfect world, I do. I love, I love just, I don't like sitting back. I want to press more, but I love countering more than actual pressing or actual uh, possession ball because, yeah, it's great to just kick the ball around, keep play keep away. That's great. It looks great. It's very enjoyable to watch. But so is taking the ball, hitting an outlet man real quick, getting an advantage, and having these kids where they actually seeing, well, if I pass over here and I make this overlap run, now all of a sudden we're on a 3v2 or a 4v2, and now how do we do it? And by the time we get there, this guy will be over, but so will these guys. And now we have a six on four, you know, and just get them in that mindset of thinking big picture. So, yeah, I guess I'm more of a counterattack guy than a possession guy. Um, but I do love to – I try to have a high line on defense. Um, and, yeah, as far as the kids, I want kids who aren't afraid to make a mistake because I don't care if they make a mistake. I know that's probably not the right answer for a lot of people, but if I have a player who has a guy wide open and he makes the pass and it was a horrible pass and it doesn't get to him, he at least saw it. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, I want you at least seeing it. You might not have the right skill to do it, but I want you to have the right IQ to do it. Mm-hmm. And then if you're making, you try to beat a guy one-on-one, you lose the ball, you give up a breakaway. Okay. Well, what did you see? Like, did you think that you could take him? Have you been beating him one-on-one all game? If so, I can't be mad at you that he got you one time. Mm-hmm. You know, so little things like that. I want the kids to feel that they can play their way and just you're going to make mistakes and it happens you're not you're not in the Premier League you're not in La Liga you're going to make a mistake and watching Tottenham the other day Danny Rose well Harry Kane gets wide open here whatever day it was Wednesday he gets wide open goes to pass the ball back falls on his ass gets up passes it to Danny Rose he falls Ball goes right back to Harry Kane. He passes, and then they do finally score. But it's like, mm-hmm. you guys look like completely, you don't know what you're doing. And there's <laughs> one where Danny Rose lines up for a kick, for a cross from the, just outside the 18, and he, like, slips and kicks it straight out of bounds. Mm-hmm. And it's like, what are you doing? Mm-hmm. You're supposed to be a professional. You're making a ton of money to play soccer. Mm-hmm. So you show that to the kids, and, like, you're not going to be perfect. They're not perfect. Yeah. Don't don't put that pressure on yourself. I I mean talk about unrealistic expectations, right? To expect yeah. expect perfect. And uh, I love what you said about failure because, um, you know, part of part of that is I think educating the players. You know that we want them to fail and to fail often um, because you know whether they know it's going to happen or they don't. It's going to happen, mm-hmm. right? It's going to happen probably 5, 10, 15 times in a match, maybe more. Um, we're going to fail as coaches, right? Um, and go, God, I mean, I should have managed this situation differently or, you know, whatever. I didn't put the guys in the right situation. Um, and I just think that, uh, you know, the it's just this continuous education. And even with the parents of, I don't know, uh, Letting them know that it is okay for their kid to fail. It's okay for their kid to make a mistake. It's okay to, you know, if we try, if if we're only doing it because of wins and losses, while that is important and that is a a very good metric to judge our success, 
it's not the only metric. And I would rather take chances. I would rather fail taking chances than, you know, us going, well, we played it safe there or whatever. And, uh, you know, not being completely reckless, but also, uh, you know, uh, giving them permission to kind of try things and be creative, yeah. you know. Well, we had a game this year. We were up one nothing at halftime. Get a red card. Probably like five minutes into the second half. The following free kick, they score one-one. So, man down, tied game. We're still controlling everything. Mm-hmm. In retrospect, I should have been like, okay, we're gonna play more defensive. But we were controlling the ball. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, dude, we can score again. Like, there's no reason we can't. They only score because they got a free kick. We wound up losing three-one. And mm-hmm. you look back at it, and it's like, it's probably my fault. Should have done this different. Should have done that different. Why wasn't I content with just getting a draw? You know? And that was early in the season where a draw there would have been huge for the confidence of these kids. Mm -hmm. And you take that away, and it's just like, there's my fault that you lost in my mind. But at the same time, you have to get with these kids and let them know, like, hey, we lost, but we did really well. We were doing this right. We were doing that right. We left that game, and all the parents and fans that were at the game, and it was an away game, they all stood up and gave us a standing ovation mm-hmm. because we did. We played very well, despite being down a man, despite losing. We played very well, and they're just like, that hasn't happened here in a long time. Yeah. And so then it's like, okay, maybe I didn't make the right decision and continuing to try for the win. I hate draws. <laughs> I'd rather, I mean, I don't want to say I'd rather lose because that's even worse, but... Like, I'm not going to settle yeah. if I don't have to settle. And we had we, we had plenty of opportunities, so. Well, draws are interesting because uh, there are times that I've, uh, we've drawn a match and it feels like a win. Mm-hmm. And there have been times where I've drawn a match and it definitely feels like mm-hmm. a, a loss. And, uh, yeah. and that's the thing. Even if we would have drew the match, yeah. I would have felt like we lost. Sure. So in that sense, it's like you may as well just lose. Yeah. I mean, yeah, you don't get the point at the end, but at the end of the year, it didn't matter anyways. It would have been 9-8-1. Yeah, <laughs> it's above 500. I got that true winning record, but I mean, in, in reality, like, it's more about what did you learn from it? Mm-hmm. And that's the biggest That's the biggest thing. If I can teach you something out of it, I don't really care what the result was. Yeah. We'll get the results sure. eventually. Yeah. So. Cool. Well, um... If people want to uh, connect with you, uh, I know you're active on social media. What's the best way uh, for them to do that? So it's at Wise Soccer Coach for everything. Um, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. If you want to follow Scotland's program as we jumpstart all this, that's where it gets a little trickier. We don't have an Instagram yet. I figure once I get kids, I'll make an Instagram for Scotland. But um, on Twitter, we're at SC. S as in Scotland, C as in campus, Knights Soccer. And on Facebook, it's at, well, it's forward slash whatever, however you want to look at it, SCS, Scotland Campus Sports, Knights Soccer. Um, for whatever reason, I was one character too many in Twitter, and it wouldn't let me put the S, so whatever. So those are your best ways, com. You can email me through there. You can message me on Facebook, Twitter, wherever. I'm open to always chat. If you want a uh, phone call then afterwards, we can do that too. But I'm just all about trying to mm-hmm. 
educate everybody the best I can and get as much out of it as I can. So can't thank you enough, man, for uh, for this conversation. And um, you know, it, it was lo- a lot longer than I thought it would be. Long overdue, man, for us it to is. meet it in is. person. And uh, yeah, so glad that we had a chance to connect. And um, I have a feeling this will be the, the first of many uh, hopefully chances hopefully. You know, to, to be together in person. And um, I wish you all the best. Uh, I appreciate in, it, in Scotland. My sincere thanks to Dustin Wise of Scotland Campus Sports for coming on the latest episode of On the Touchline. Dustin, I wish you all the best and can't wait to follow along in your coaching journey. Before I go, you can support this podcast in one of two ways. One, by going to anchor.fm slash on the touchline and making a small monthly contribution to the show or two, by sharing episodes of this show out on social media using the hashtag on the touchline, all one word. You can find me on Twitter or Instagram at soccercoachjb. And DMs are always open if you'd ever like to leave me a message or reach out with a question, suggestion for a guest, like to come on the show, anything like that. And last but not least, if you use Apple Podcast, please leave a five-star rating and review and help continue to push us up the podcast rankings when it comes to Soccer Podcast. New episode will be available on Saturday morning. I think you'll like that one as well. And until next time, this has been the On the Touchline Podcast. I'm your host, Jason Broadwater. 